Dear Adam Silver, my name is Abigail Smithson, and as always, I am your host. Today's guest is Emily Stamey, who is the curator of exhibitions at the Weatherspoon Art Museum at the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. She is on the show today to discuss her current exhibition, To the Hoop, which is made up of artwork produced by over 20 artists in response to basketball. The pieces vary in their subject matter and medium, some related to the objects used in the game, some related to social issues tied to the game, and some are about the spirituality of the game. I am very grateful to Emily for coming on the podcast to discuss the development of the exhibition. And if any of you are listening and are going to be near Greensboro, North Carolina, or are in Greensboro, North Carolina right now, and in the future, in the coming months, please check out this show. Thank you so much for listening. And please do not forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. Okay, here we go. Today's episode of Dear Adam Silver is brought to you, as always, by Bookman's. Bookman's is one of my favorite businesses in Tucson because it's really based around community. So people bring belongings, their own belongings, in there to uh, trade them, to sell them, and then those things end up on the shelves and other people in the community buy them and use them. I really love how that just brings people together. Uh, there's the sense of reusing, recycling, and that feels uh, extremely important, especially right now. And of course, it's a local business that I just feel so wonderful about supporting. Uh, Bookman's has locations, three locations in Tucson, as well as one in Phoenix, one in Flagstaff, and one in Mesa. For more information, you can visit www.bookmans.com. And remember, Bookman's has cool covered. So, Emily, thank you so much for coming on to discuss To The Hoop. I'm so excited to talk about this exhibition you've created all about artwork made in response to basketball, which is really very close to my heart. Um, and I was wondering if we could start with this, you talking about the beginning of this exhibition and how it evolved over time, both the the idea of the exhibition and maybe your own interest in basketball. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'll start by saying thank you for having me. Um, it's so exciting to have someone reach out who's as engaged by all of this as, as I am. Um, so if we go, if we go back in time to where my interest in basketball started, I mean, I grew up in a house with a dad and a brother who were sports are sports fanatics. So every game was watched in our house they played almost every game, and basketball was one of the favorites for both of them. Um, you know, so I watched it. I tried to play once in middle school. It was a very ill-fated attempt. I shot at the wrong basket in the middle of a game and was mortified, oh. and that sort of ended everything right there. Um, oh my gosh! So I, you know, I yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but I, but I continued to, you know, enjoy it. I would happily go watch my brother's games or, you know, if my dad had a Sonics game on TV, I grew up in the Seattle area, you know, I would watch with him. But I, I enjoyed it, but I felt kind of maybe adjacent to it. You know, mm. I wasn't that invested per se. Um, and then there is this fast forward moment, um, you know, to so go way past middle school and go to the point where I am going to graduate school. 
um, in art history, and I wound up going to the University of Kansas in Lawrence. And, you know, I was thrilled to go because the art history program was fabulous and the museum was fabulous. And my father was clearly very excited that I was going because there was also a really great basketball team there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, exactly. So, I I mean, I, I knew that somewhat going in, but I didn't fully understand basketball culture in Lawrence um, until this moment one fall and I had been going for walks with a friend around campus regularly but the weather was getting really cold and someone told us you know you can go walk in the field house in the morning so they open it up for people as a place that's you know heated and indoors to go for a walk or go for a run and so we went one morning and we walked in and there were all these people in sleeping bags on the floor all over through the hallways and I was completely baffled and I had no clue what was going on um, and had to have it explained to me that these were all the students camping out to get their basketball seats Um, and they camp in teams so that they never lose their place in line and 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 I was just you know I I had not gone to an undergrad that had that kind of cultural experience and and so you know amazed and kind of in wonder I thought well I really probably should go to a game and so I went to a game and it felt a little like a sociology experiment with all of the rituals and the chants and the cheers and everything that everybody does and I was baffled and at the same time I fell head over heels in love with all of it um and and I spent the next seven years living in Lawrence Kansas which is you know the coaching home of Naismith inventor of the game it is diehard basketball country, you know, it, it, to the extreme. Um, and, you know, I kind of, quote unquote, drank the Kool-Aid and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> became became this basketball fan. Right. And just overnight, I mean, you, you went, you saw, you went to your first game and it was just this certain feeling. And then it was like, I'm going to keep doing this. Exactly, exactly. Um, As, of course, many people on campus do, you know, so I I wasn't doing this alone. There were many others, you know, sort of in the program and across campus, you know, other graduate students who went to the games with me. Um, But I I will say it, it always felt sort of like the thing I did, you know, as the break from doing all of my research and my studies. I didn't think of it as anything tied to art history per se, which is what I was there studying. Um, Except that there was this moment in one of my early classes, and it was a very sort of standard art since 1945 class, a class on contemporary art. And we happened to cover two different pieces that had basketball as their subject. And they weren't presented thematically as we're going to look at art about basketball today. Um, One was a piece by Jeff Koons and one was a piece by David Hammonds. And they came up, you know, separately and apart from one another. But I think because I was so primed and sort of alert to basketball as this thing, because it was sort of new to me to have it be so big and present in everybody's lives, those two pieces I really latched onto. And somewhere in the back of my head, I thought those should be in a show together someday, or those should be in a paper together someday. You know, like there's, those are interesting together. Um, And I think that became kind of the seed and the idea for the show. And I would say kind of ever since that point, you know, as I 
finished graduate school and, you know, I didn't write about basketball and art or anything like that for my dissertation, um, but went on to my first job and sort of started this little file in the back of my file cabinet of, it was labeled basketball. And I would just kind of keep dropping images and notes to myself and ideas in there as I saw things. Um, and then, you know, ultimately moved around as one does and was at different jobs. And by the time I, that folder really felt sat and it felt like, oh, I really should do this basketball show. Um, Part of what I also felt was I really wanted to do it in a place that had the same kind of basketball enthusiasm as Lawrence, Kansas had. Um, And I, when I moved here to North Carolina four years ago, I quickly realized I was in one of those locations. Um, So, you know, here I am in another place that is equally, you know, just devoted and enamored of basketball. Um, So it felt like the right spot to do the show. Yes. And how, so, I mean, of course, the David Hammonds and the, um, oh, I'm, I'm the other artist who, Jeff Koontz, sorry. Jeff Koontz, yeah. (laughs) The other world-renowned artist you mentioned. Um, Jeff, the David Hammonds and Jeff Coons pieces as, as starting points. Um, how did you sort of, because there's more sort of literal work about artwork about basketball, and there's then some more conceptual pieces, and there's work about the the game and how it's played, and then there's work about what the game means in many different contexts. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how, when you were sort of you're dropping all these things in the file, and then you're looking at this sort of array of interpretations of of basketball. And I'm wondering if you learned during that process all the different, like, uh, I guess this will turn out to be a yes or no question, but all the different ways that that basketball can can mean something to someone and, and all the different sort of uh, roles it takes on. Right. And it's so broad. And ultimately, that became what was so interesting about doing the show for me is that it wasn't as though all the pieces I was finding took a really literal look at the game or that all of them took, you know, A, B or C particular critical view of the game or celebratory view of the game, but that every single piece I was finding came at it just a little bit differently, um, which is both interesting in and of itself for doing an exhibition and have a theme and then have all of these different vantage points and perspectives. But it also, you know, sort of underscored and made me realize, you know, what an important place or role basketball holds in our popular culture, that it would be taken on by such a breadth of artists and from so many different vantage points, um, you know, that it is it is large or it looms large. Um, and, and there are all these different ways that we can look at it and see it and think about it. And was this something that you had thought of? Did you have any idea of that before you started the exhibition or sorry, started gathering these images when you thought about art about basketball? I don't think I probably ever thought about art about basketball, you know, Mm -hmm. until that moment in that class where I'm looking at the image of, um, you know, this Jeff Koons sculpture of a basketball floating in a tank of water. And then the other piece were these um, outdoor public pieces that David Hammonds had made of basketball hoops at the top of telephone poles um, as a public art piece. Right. And, um, 
notes. I'm, I'm offering that as a little visual for people who might not, sure. you know, immediately latch on to either one of those names. Um, and that was the point that, you know, I, I thought of basketball as a subject for contemporary art. Um, I don't think it would have crossed my mind before then. And I'm not sure if I hadn't been living, you know, in a place like Lawrence, Kansas, on the KU campus where basketball, you know, is so present, would I have latched on to those two particular images in that textbook and and been so curious about them? You know, had I been in some other context, maybe I wouldn't have latched on to the idea. Right. It, it's just interesting because I had my sort of uh, evolution with making artwork about basketball while being across from the football stadium at Louisiana State University. So okay. I'm facing this like, you know, the the building, the structure that has the most value and importance like on the campus. And it's all about football. I mean, that's what that region of the country is, is dedicated mm-hmm. to. But um, just thinking like, yeah, it's just I, I recognize that immediately that like I, I wasn't in the space where basketball mattered as much. And, and how does that inform the work as well? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested also in sort of the research because the, the show is framed in like a historical context of uh, the evolution of basketball. And I was just wondering how you sort of applied your techniques as an art historian um, to research uh, sort of the beginnings of, of basketball and how the game evolved and how the artwork made in response to it evolved. Mm-hmm. So it is and it isn't um, sort of, it is not chronologically laid out at all in the gallery, I guess is the first place I'll start from. So it, it sort of has a chronological starting point in the early 80s is the earliest piece in the show. And then it you know, makes its way forward. Um, but the way it's it's laid out is really more about comparing and contrasting different ways that people are looking at the game and the different themes that come up. But in the process of thinking about how to even land at that point, I, I did need to give myself some basketball history. I mean, and, and I will be the first to confess I don't know it or I didn't know it per se before this project. You know, I mean, I'm the art historian who kind of became the basketball convert. So, you know, I I check out piles and piles of books from the library on the history of basketball and basketball and popular culture. And there are, you know, there is no lack of material to read. And there are all kinds of fabulous cultural historians and sports historians and many others who could tell this history you know, better than I can. Um, but in the book that goes with the show, I, you know, I piece together, you know, um, sort of a, a quick summary to sort of give the show an anchor and then pull out some of the bits that felt really relevant to me as someone who looks at the visual. Um, mm-hmm. And one of those that that so struck me, um, and, and it's been called out by multiple different scholars, but is that, you know, basketball has its sort of golden moment or really becomes huge in our popular culture in the 80s and the 90s. And so it's it's not, you know, serendipitous or, or without coincidence that that's sort of where the artworks in the show sure. begin as well. Um, but, you know, these scholars will call out and also reference how big TV became at that same moment. And then that was also the birth of cable television. And that's the birth of ESPN. And ESPN, you know, in part made a name for itself showing college basketball. And there is a way that basketball is visual in ways that other sports aren't, which isn't to say that other sports 
aren't visual at all. But when you think about basketball, you know, you can see those players in a way that you don't see, say, a football player who's covered up in padding. You can see the ball because it's pretty big and it's bright orange in a way that you don't see a baseball that's been thrown to the outfield. Um, You know, the court is comparatively small. Um, You know, the game is relatively short. It makes for good television, you know, and, and it's indoors. You can zoom in on everybody. You can watch all that action on a screen in a really compelling way. Um, and and that was really interesting to me to think about how much it overlaps with, you know, the expansion of our media culture. Um, so that was one thing. I'm trying to think of some of the others that stood out. I mean, you have the phenomenon of Michael Jordan and branding and the way that this game, you know, becomes sort of tied up in this pivot point of, branding players and player fame and commercialization of, you know, sneakers and gear and, you know, the things that people wear um, and these larger than life personalities. Again, not that these things don't happen in other sports as well, but they seem to be particularly present in basketball. Yeah, I think um, and fa- fashion. I mean, being such a part the the shoes, the jerseys, the hats, like this specific uh, style that comes out of the NBA, which then the the viewers, the fans get to be a part of. I think in that way, it's very interactive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then um, you know, so these are all, and and all of those points come up in different works throughout the show in different ways. Um, And then, you know, there are also these different cultural vantage points that come up, um, you know, that basketball was, that the rules of basketball were very quickly adopted for women and that women have been playing the game almost from the very beginning was interesting to me. And, you know, I, I found plenty of artists who were looking at the game, you know, from a female perspective or looking at the role of women in the game. Um, and of course, you know, over that same time span, you have the birth of the WNBA and its expansion. Um, you know, you have Title IX and the expansion of women in sports. So, you know, all of those things are also part of basketball's history in a really contemporary way. Um, and those show up in the exhibition as well. Yes, I think it's it's so easy to learn about his, the history of the United States through learning about the history of basketball in many mm-hmm. ways, which mm-hmm. I think, um, and I haven't done as much research about other sports and other really popular sports, but I think that, that a lot of power lies in all these access points that come out of just reading about basketball and learning about basketball for further research. Yes, there is. And I'm glancing at my bookshelf and I can't see it from across the room. There's an amazing book I read called The Meaning of Sport. Um, And it was by a historian who sort of tracked and looked at um, the, the role of baseball in American history early on, followed by the role of football, followed by the role of basketball. And, you know, positions basketball as the one that holds that very contemporary prominence at the moment and, you know, sort of dives into all the reasons that that might be. And so, you know, I think you're spot on. You can look at American history through these different lenses of sport, Um, you know, and not just basketball, but basketball feels particularly relevant right now. Um, And and I'm a historian of, you know, 
a historian of contemporary art, which seems like kind of an oxymoron thing to say, but I mean, I, <laughs> I focus, I focus on relatively recent art. And so, you know, that is the game that shows up the most in the art that I have seen. So it became a really compelling topic to look at. Yes. It's popularity, like sort of as someone who, as an artist who responds to it and thinking about other artists to res- that respond to it, it's popularity is what sort of brings you in in a sense because you can use this thing that is so well known and understood um, to to make your artwork accessible to people who are not always looking at art necessarily. Exactly. Well, and and the same for the show. So I've had you know multiple. Um, you know, couples come up to me and, you know, one of them happens to be the art lover and the other is more of a sports <laughs> lover. And, and, they, and they, you know, one of them will say, this is how I got, you know, my partner to come in here because, you know, you did this sports show and that's the point of entry. Um, sure. And and I love that. You know, I, I love that even if you're not a sports fan, you have probably played the game at some point, you know, in a gym class or in a neighbor's, you know, backyard or driveway or something like that like there there is a knowledge um you know and even if you don't follow it follow it you're aware of it in popular culture and so you can come into an exhibition about basketball and feel like you have a starting point already so you may feel like you know nothing about contemporary art and you aren't sure where to start with some of these conceptual pieces or how to talk about the materiality of something but you know basketball, you know the materiality of what it is to hold a ball in your hand. You know what a hoop is. You know what the shoes sound like on the court. You might have a sense of how the game is played, or at least that you know you throw this ball at a hoop. Um, and so you have a starting point, and that that makes it exciting. So everyone can enter in from some common ground. Definitely, I I think that's so important because something I hear from people who aren't as interested in watching sports is that one of the reasons they don't like it is because they don't know the rules. And I also think that that can be applied to people who aren't, don't have as much experience going to museums or galleries and don't understand maybe what they're supposed to think about the, the art that they see or the work that they see. And so I think bringing them together in a way that, um, well, there's no one rule for how you interact with art necessarily, but just having a sort of platform for for both to exist side by side um, so that you can bring whatever knowledge you do have to each is a, right. is a good exactly. thing. Right, yeah. exactly. It is. I mean, and we, um, you know, as a as a museum, as, you know, sort of a curatorial team and an education team, we we emphasize that with this show that, you know, you can come in and bring other knowledge to it. And I don't pretend as the curator to, you know, have the last word to say on any one of these objects. I mean, I never do with any show that I do, but with this show in particular and for the audience that I'm offering it to here in a place that is so enmeshed in basketball, you know, I, I don't pretend that I'm a basketball expert. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I say that I am a fan and I have, you know, done this certain amount of research and I come to it with a lot of knowledge about art. Um, But here are all of these really compelling, amazing objects and other people are going to pull, you know, other meanings out of them. Um, 
So we did one fun, well, we've done lots of fun things at the show, but one that I did was I gathered a group of people who um, I've encountered across campus who I know to be just diehard basketball fans. Mm -hmm. And we took an afternoon and I showed them, you know, images of every single artwork in the show and asked them to just give me their, you know, their sort of immediate knee-jerk response. Um, You know, and they picked up on things that were not things I would have picked up on. And they picked up on things that related to North Carolina basketball history. And of course I had a Duke fan in the mix and I had a Chapel Hill fan in the mix. And, you know, they're going after one another about how many, you know, links we can make to former Chapel Hill players versus how many Duke players we can link things to in the show. And we, we wrote a basketball lover's guide to the show, which is this extra little guide you can pick up as you walk through. And it doesn't call out any of the art historical, you know, tidbits or facts or things like that, it calls out things such as, did you realize in this image of the Scotty Pippen jersey, it's not his Bulls jersey, it's his Dream Team 1982 Olympics jersey? And did you know that, you know, Christian Leitner from Duke played on that team and Michael Jordan from Chapel <laughs> Hill played on that team? And here's all the, you know, I mean, it's right. sort of a, a who's who and, you know, six degrees of separation from North Carolina guide to the show. Um which isn't something I would ever be able to put together with another kind of show, or maybe I would. Um, but there, there's there's so much fun in the way that you can open things up that way with this particular topic. Right. I love this idea of sort of crowdsourcing for information, not just for your own research, but that also exists in the gallery. Mm-hmm. How did you... And we added yeah. a no- We added a note at the end of the guide that says, you know... Surely we missed something or surely you found something else. You know, please tell us. And so we've right. got comment cards and, and as people submit them and put them in, um, you know, we'll pull them out and post them on social media or I'll fold them into, you know, the next curator's talk that I give. Or, you know, we, we will crowdsource information and insights from people, which will be really fun. So tell me about the decision to to get that type of like build that programming into the exhibition where you were crowdsourcing, you were bringing in this information that's sort of experience-based rather than research-based. Um, and, and yeah, I think it just is such an interesting aspect of the the exhibition that I love this idea that if you did that somewhere else, if you did that in Kansas, if you did it in Chicago, wherever you do it, you're going to get different responses. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I mean, the the reason to do it, you know, and it's not it's not a huge component of the show. You know, I mean, we're not hit over the head when you walk in by please give us information or anything. You know, it's sure. it's tucked in there for those who are curious enough. But it felt like the only really genuine and honest way to go about it, to realize that people would get excited about things that they found in stories that they would want to share or memories that they would want to share or, you know, these really personal connections to the theme um and it just only felt right that there would have to be some avenue for people to share those um so it just felt natural to build it in and and you're right i mean it i will be curious to see 
um, you know, we are going to have this show up here while the ACC tournament is played here mm-hmm. in Greensboro this spring and the first round of the NCAA tournament. And, and of course, we are hopeful that folks who are in town for the games might also come through the museum. And so I will be curious at that point if any of the notes on the comment cards start to shift as we have, you know, out-of-towners who bring different team history and team knowledge with them um, and, and make their mark on it. Yeah, that's that's so exciting to sort of line up the um, the exhibition with this other big sort of basketball cultural event uh, to have right. them kind of side by side and in conversation with each other. Yeah, I think it'll be really fun. Um, right. It's It's sort of a perfect moment in all sorts of different ways. Yes. Um, I'm also curious because one of the perspectives I saw coming up a lot from a few artists in in the exhibition was sort of the idea of basketball as a spiritual force. And that was something that I really it took me a long time to figure out that it is a very spiritual game and that it has these aspects to it that feel all about connection, all about finding another person over and over again through passing, uh, needing each other. Um, and this, you know, the the ball and the hoop having the circular form that kind of goes along with the earth and the moon and, and reflects sort of life um, in many ways. And I was just wondering how, when and in this point did you sort of stumble on that that other meaning to the game um, and how and what did you think of it? So I, I was amazed by it as well and came to it sort of late. So I will say, you know, it was or is a theme, you know, sort of both parts of what you mentioned, the the ritual or the spiritual and then also, you know, these allusions to the cosmos or to outer space and sort of how all of these ideas entwine. Those were not themes that I ever would have imagined would have come out of this show when I was beginning to put the show together. Um, You know, sort of themes such as gender and race and economics and fashion and merchandising, all of these things were ones that I sort of anticipated and, and found in the work. But it was really after I had sort of put together what was a pretty solid starting checklist um, enough so that I was digging in and starting to work on writing the catalog that I started really noticing how frequently these other themes popped up with references to the spiritual and to the religious and to the cosmos. Um, And I think it's a lot of what you just mentioned, you know, and, and as someone who doesn't play the game, I I won't pretend that I can understand that sort of finding people, you know, and that sort of connection that comes out of the way of playing. But as a fan, I can say that, you know, when I go to those games and you go through, you know, the the rituals of what you do as a fan, when you stand, when you cheer, what cheer you do, the clothing that you wear, um, you know, there are, there are certain practices that, that have a sort of spiritual or religious component to them. You know, and people joke all the time that, you know, sports is my religion, um, you know, and 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 I think it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I think for some people, maybe not, you know. Um, I mean, there is a way that you can find something really fulfilling and unifying and connecting in playing the game or being a part of a group that, you know, follows and cheers for a particular team, 
Um, and then all those visual parts that you named too, you know, the, the ball looks like a big orange sun yeah. or a star, um, you know, and, and hoops have shapes like halos and, you know, there are, there are visual ways that things tie in too. And then I always come back to, you know, people in this game seem to fly, you know, I mean, they leap really high and they get a ball into this crazy high hoop. And there's sort of this defying of gravity and this sense of flight that is also part of the game. And I think we, you know, we associate that with the spiritual in lots of ways. Um, I, there were really interesting moments too in the show though, that it's not all um, necessarily a, a Christian spirituality that might be alluded to, um, but also, you know, there's references to Buddhism throughout the show. There are references to voodoo throughout the show. There are, you know, so it is it is much broader than any one particular sort of religious touchstone also, which I find fabulous and fascinating. Right, because its beginnings were so tied to the YMCA and to Christianity and what those sort of ideals were as far as the body goes. Um, mm -hmm. It is such an amazing thing that... And of course, like games like basketball have been being played for much longer than than the literal game of basketball has been being played. Right. So right. that means different things to uh, lots of groups of people. But um, I just think that I, I love like when you kind of take it down to the bare bones. Well, there's the bare bones version and there's also the like all wearing the same shirt and like you right, know, the same right. hat and like the the free, you know, token gift you got when you came into the arena that you're now wearing um, like everyone else. There's like right. th that part about it that can that feel sort of spiritual in some sense. And then there's also like when you take all of that away, like what are we actually doing here with our movements, with our bodies and the objects and how then this also feels like it carries a huge amount of 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 power, invisible power. Yeah. Well, those two extremes are so interesting, too, and, and they surface throughout the show of, you know, sort of all of the extra that becomes part of the game when it's on a really grand scale, you know, so the fans and matching outfits and the media hype and the merchandising and the, you know, everything that can expand beyond it. And then you have artworks in the show that are about the simplicity of the game, that, you know, when all is said and done, you need a hoop attached to something and it might be a tree or a barn or a telephone pole or you know it can kind of be anywhere and you need a ball and you can play on your own if you want to I mean it can be as simple as one human one ball and one hoop um and and then of course it can expand from that um I took our men's basketball team through the show last week which was oh, so wow. much fun oh yes um and that was so um a photograph by the photographer bill bamberger that is of you know this sort of lone hoop set against a cotton field with not much around it um was one of the pieces that they responded to a lot and they and they told me they're like this is it everybody knows this, you know, even if they didn't grow up near Cottonfield. Sure. Um, but they know, you know, they know that hoop and that slab of cement underneath it or, you know, dirt or whatever, whether you're urban or you're rural, like, you know, that hoop and grabbing that ball and, and shooting some baskets, whether you're good or not, yeah. you know, and whether you go on to truly play the game or not. 
Um, and and that was that was fun to watch them go through the show and see which ones resonated for them. And and in some ways, I had anticipated some of the um, you know the larger or the flashier pieces in the show might be the ones that they gravitated towards, just because many people do. Um, and it was some of the quieter pieces that they they really leaned into and um, found these personal points of connection. Yeah, I would have loved to have been there for that. That sounds so interesting. That's such a nice thing. Another event that like can come out of this is bringing in the people who actually are playing the game and interacting with it every day. Right, right. And and thinking of it from such a different perspective, you know, what as I talked to them about how I think of the visuals of basketball and you know, and I'm and I'm watching and I don't know what's going on in their brains and I'm wondering do do you think of the visuals of basketball when you are in the midst of the game? I mean, do you think of all the people watching you and what you look like to all of them and what the court looks like to them and what the lights look like? I mean, no, probably not because you're busy, you know, focusing on the pass and getting down court and making the shot. Um, so, yeah, it was great. The women's team is going to come um, in about a month or so, and I'm excited to get their perspective also. Yes. And I've, I've also been thinking, um, since you mentioned that, uh, like sort of the bare bones aspect or, you know, this, like, what are we actually doing on the court? I also think that when I'm watching basketball, I can get engaged like at any level, like high school or college or professional or walking by a game. I mean, I've stood in front of pickup games for, you know, multiple hours because they're incredible like expressions of humanity to watch take yeah. place in front of you. And so I, I love the hype of the NBA. I love the the narratives. I love the Twitter beef. I love, you know, the WNBA is amazing and like everything that they do. And it's just, there is so much excitement at the highest level, but also it doesn't matter at the end of the day, like basketball is compelling pretty much right. as long as people are trying hard, it's compelling. And yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love that about it. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to um, mention was when I was reading the text about the show and you mentioned basketball as this sport that we associate with flying, with being elevated, I could not help but think of Kobe Bryant at that moment because of his, um, yeah, just like the tragedy of this his helicopter coming down from the sky and crashing and just putting those two things side by side uh, as he is one of the most iconic players to ever play the game and like elevated himself. And it just, there's nothing that I can say there. It's more of just this idea of, of recognizing that that's another part of his death being so shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I'm well, sure you was, wrote that long before. I, I did, but you know, we opened the show just four days, five days after the helicopter crash. Oh. Um, and that was, I mean, there was no way for that to, you know, that loss, his loss to not resonate through what was going on and, you know, and, and for everybody who was there at the, the opening and, you know, all the different articles coming out and, you know, all the things on social media and, um, and, you know, one of the things that resonated for me and then I, you know, sort of mentioned in my opening remarks that this show was, you know, there, 
there was acknowledgement in all of it of his greatness and how he was an icon and how many people looked up to him and all the wonderful things he's done for the sport and for the women's game and in particular and 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 on and on and there was also acknowledgement of human flaws and past wrongdoings mm-hmm. um and and that none of it is black and white that there are always different sides and and at the end of the day he was so human, you know, as much as we, you know, put players up on pedestals, they are human. And, and I thought, you know, in a, in a way, this show is not at all about Kobe Bryant, but it's about this game that is about being human. And the artworks are about being human and finding some aspect of our humanity, good or bad, um, you know, positive or negative through the lens of looking at the game. And I hope that's what people take away from it, you know, that people can come in and they can be excited about it and find it really celebratory. They can find some artworks in there that are a little bit more critical. They can connect it to a personal memory, good or bad. Um, But at the end of the day, it really is about being human. Um, And that this particular subject and then all of these individual really incredible artworks help us to have conversations about that. Wow, I don't know if I could have ever picked a better way to (laughs) talk about this exhibition or or wrap up this conversation in such an eloquent way that that's what the show has meant to you and and you hope means to others is that it's about being human and that basketball can express that. I I hope that's what people get out of it. You never know. Everyone will take their own own perspective, but that, that would be my hope for people as they as they go through. And I've never heard someone say it in in that way. And I think that goes a lot back to the, the spirituality, the sense of spirituality that comes from the game is because it is about being human. But, but yes, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that before. And I, and I think that it's so much about the amazing things that people can do with their bodies and these accomplishments, but there's also so many mistakes built into all of those things that we are actually watching play out. And the only reason, uh, I mean, the players are forced to move on really quickly from the, their errors and their mistakes in order to, to continue to grow or accomplish things. And I think that that has its own power of sort of witnessing the errors. Right, right. As a fan. Well, they practice. And, you know, there's... (laughs) And we all practice at so many different things. Um, But, yeah, there's actually a lovely piece in the show titled Practice by Mark Bradford. It's a Mm. video, and he wears this enormous hoop skirt as he tries to make these shots um, and he's playing outside and the wind you know whips up the skirt and so of course he tumbles and he falls and it feels like this impossible task to do anything but he keeps at it and he keeps at it and it is about that again what you were saying that that you know sort of physical humanity of getting up and doing things over and over again um, but then also a, a the mental part of getting up and doing things over and over again as well um, it's a lovely piece on the show. Yes, I'm a big fan of that piece. I think I saw it in Fort Worth um, a few years ago, and it it's pretty uh, stunning. Yeah. Yeah. And he's wearing Lakers. 
purple and gold. So, right. Yeah. There you and go. The, we, the, can, the, we can tie it back once totally. more. <laughs> to the commercial aspect. <laughs> yeah, so that's, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that that's just, again, just like they, they kind of need each other. I mean, I think it's really um, easy to, to write off the commercial aspect. I mean, like, you know, as an artist and as someone, you know, there's so much money in professional basketball and all this stuff. And like, there's not as much money in the arts. And it's like, that's not, right. a, healthy, it's not a healthy dynamic. <laughs> um, so it's really easy to be resentful of that. Um, but at the same time, it's like such a part of it. And it's so necessary. And it is how people who don't play often interact with the game that mm-hmm. um, it's such an important thing to recognize and sort of maybe even like change the conversation around to uh, to to question to ask questions of of and and all of that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm also really curious, actually. Um, your father and your brother that that you mentioned being such big sports fans, how they have been a part of this. Um, the exhibition coming together, what they think and, and all of that. So they were um, early readers for the catalog essay. They were mm. among my crew that I sent it out to to say, what, what basketball bits did I forget? <laughs> or, you know, what doesn't make sense? Or who are you mad? I didn't mention or, right. you know, any of that. Um, so they were, they were my early readers for the intro among other people that I sent it out to. Um, and then they both still live out on the West Coast, um, but my dad will be coming out here in May to come see the show. So I will be excited to walk him through it in person um, and have him see it all. Yeah. Um, it's It's been fun to be working on it, you know, in conversation with both of them, for sure. Yeah, there's so much value in, in sort of getting to share that that type of shift or, or new understanding of, of something with, with people who also might not yet have that understanding. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for making this time to share all this information about the show. Um, I'm so excited that I found that I found it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I am equally so excited that I found your work or that you in, in your finding <laughs> me that I discovered that that too. Um, and yeah, I'm excited for the conversation to continue. So thank you so much. Definitely. Actually, the funniest thing about um, me finding your work was I was totally just writing to you about the it didn't it didn't dawn on me until after you responded that I also make artwork about basketball. Like, and that, you know, that I th- I was like, oh my God, I hope she doesn't think that I'm like trying to get in the show. Like, it, it was just funny that I realized later I was like, oh, she just curated a show of artwork of basketball. I also make artwork about basketball. So. No, yes, I love it. I yeah. love it. No, it's such a great um, way to like find each other and connect. And I think also trade ideas and thoughts and um, it just feels like a natural sort of evolving of the conversation that that we we bring like we come together in some way right right and i and i genuinely hope it evolves i I really want to hear what you are working on when you get back from your trip to kansas and all of your research on denise smith yeah i'm super excited about um that and to see what happens and uh just collect a bunch of data about how basketball exists there because i'm going to part of my funding for my residency is tickets to basketball games (laughs) so i love it that's fantastic i will be at the field house on the 24th um and uh yeah i'm i'm very excited about that and uh Yeah, so I'll keep you posted. 
Excellent. You'll love it. There's nothing like hearing that rock chalk chant in person in that field house. So talk about a spiritual moment. You will be blown away. It's great. You know, I'll have my tape, rec- my like digital recorder with me just to, Excellent. you know, for podcast Excellent. purposes. Great. I love it. Well, thanks again, Emily. We'll talk soon. Have a wonderful day. You do the same. Thank you so much. Of course, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.